Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. Inside. It ain't the left side. Left side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick on Twitter. Paul, before we even begin with the Dolphins' uh, 37 to 20 loss to the Buffalo Bills, you know, given that we're getting closer to Thanksgiving, closer to the end of the college football season, I thought it would be better to start out with the obvious news here. Uh, for the Miami Dolphins heading into the draft season. And that is Tua Tegavailoa, Alabama's quarterback, with a major injury this week uh, in the Alabama win over Mississippi State. I mean, this is a game that Alabama was comfortably ahead 35-7. to And after having a terrible ankle injury over the last couple of weeks that, that sidelined him, uh, you know, before the, the LSU game, he now suffers a dislocated hip and he's screaming in pain, carted off the field. It looks like that he's going to be, it's it's not the Bo Jackson broken hip that we saw 30 years ago, but this is kind of a big deal here. And now the Dolphins are sitting here after this loss to Buffalo picking fourth. They are. And, you know, it might be a bigger deal. I know, we don't think it's the Bo Jackson issue, but at the same time, it could turn into the Bo Jackson issue because that loss of blood flow causes basically to the, the lower extremity, uh, causes potential degenerative issues down the road. It caused potential arthritic issues that could onset early. I mean, there's a lot of things that this type of injury can cause for a player that can shorten their career. And at quarterback, you don't want a quarterback that's going to have a career shortened. So there's going to be a lot of investigative aspects that really need to go into this Tua injury. Yeah, I mean, this is still a player that could go number one, uh, but he could start to drop if a lot of teams around the league feel the same way that you do on that. So, you know, I, I just thought we should mention that to begin with here because you, we're keeping an eye on the quarterbacks. And, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting situation. So, looking at the draft order now, after the Dolphins drop this game to the Bills, uh, you've got the Bengals at one, the Redskins at two, the Giants at three, the Dolphins at four, the Jets win today, so they're at five, and then you've got the Bucks at six and the, and the Broncos at seven. Luckily as well, Paul, around the league, uh, the Steelers lose 21-7 to to the Browns. We won't get into the specifics of what happened in that game. Uh, and also, too, the Texans get ac- absolutely thrashed today by the Baltimore Ravens that are looking like Super Bowl contenders already. They are looking like Super Bowl contenders. And the big thing that I'll I'll say here, well, um, when it comes to both the Steelers and the Texans, the Steelers are on the outside looking in for, for the playoffs, and they're going to be without Mike Pouncey for the next few weeks. They may be without their entire wide receiving core, it seems like, 
for the next several weeks um, due to injury, not suspension. But, you know, it, it's they're a team that's already with their jackass of a backup quarterback. And if they wind up on, you know, fifth and sixth string receivers on top of not having their, their you know, former Pro Bowl center in Marquise Pouncey, that could get pretty insurmountable pretty quickly. Uh, as far as the Texans go, I think every Dolphin fan out there should be rooting for the Colts to win this coming Thursday night. If the Texans lose, and I think you pointed this out too, it's about a game and a half lead that the Colts will have in the South Division. Texans right now are the number six seed for the AFC playoffs. If the Texans lose, it puts them really behind the eight ball with you know five weeks left of the season for being able to make the playoffs. Buffalo winning today helps potentially push the Texans further down. They've got the Raiders chomping right on their heels. And really, that that could give Miami two picks in the teens, even if the Steelers do well down the stretch. After the Colts this Thursday say that they do lose that game, the week after that, They've got the New England Patriots on Sunday night football, and you could be looking yeah. at a six and six record. And then you then they've got Denver at home and then they play at Tennessee. And wouldn't it be interesting if Ryan Tannehill in that situation would be tasked with putting the Houston Texans out of the playoffs? Because the Texans not only play them week in week fifteen, but week seventeen as well. So they yes, two Texans have two matchups with Ryan Tannehill in the last three weeks of the year. So yeah, right now as it stands, the Dolphins have the number four pick, the number sixteen pick, and even though Tankathon has the the Dolphins pick in twenty fifth, I believe they made a mistake, and I think it's twenty second here because the Colts would be winning the division at this at at this point. So anyway, a lot of that depends on, on playoff finishes and whether or not you get in the playoffs. But if the Dolphins can end up in a situation where the Texans and the Steelers don't make the playoffs. They're going to have three picks in the top 20, and I think that's what we're gearing for at this point. But, Paul, let's take a look at the Bills game here. You know, it's this started out very, very ugly, as we both know. I mean, and I'll tell you what, Clive Wolford, who was picked up a couple of weeks ago, better be walking home because in two of the first three offensive drives for the Dolphins, they started inside their own 10 because of holding calls on special teams by Clive Wolford. I was like, this guy's not even supposed to be on the team. You look at the rest of the game here. It, it was pretty sloppy here for the first 20, 25 minutes of the game. I think we're going to have a lot of guys uh, heading to the uh, TNT wall after this one. A lot of guys could be candidates for the Coke bus after this one as well. Right. I mean, it's... <laughs> And, you know, Coke bus trumps TNT wall, in my opinion. But <laughs> that's my opinion. No, I mean, it's there were some really good individual performances in this one. I, I know early on in the game, I, I know I shot you a message uh, about it. The blocking scene, scheme seemed absolutely hosed. And when you've already got a, a group of players that are, well, CFL standouts pretty much, on the offensive line, if your scheme is pretty hosed on top of that, they were just leaving big gaping holes because you saw linemen chasing players and the bills had no problem taking advantage of those huge gaping holes that they were leaving. They weren't the good positive gaping holes that you want to see in your run game, 
they were the big gaping holes of, of players chasing people and just leaving screwy openings for, for other defenders to just run right through. Yeah, yeah. The, fir- the first play of the game from scrimmage, a Devin Singletary got the ball, and it looks like Christian Wilkins was handled pretty well in that play uh, by left left guard uh, Quentin Spain for a 20 se- or 22-yard run, and that really set the tempo right up front on that first drive. But the Bills only scored six points on the first two drives, even though you know there was that big run and then there was a – uh, a punt return down, back down to the Dolphins' 40, so it made it 6 to nothing. You know, n- the next drive from the Bills, it's a 13 nothing game, a long pass to John Brown where he splits between Nick Needham and, and Bobby McCain, and then Bobby McCain whiffs on the tackle. It's 16 to nothing, 26 minutes into the game, you know, with four, with four minutes left. And that's where it starts to get a little bit fun for a while because uh, on the next drive, Ryan Fitzpatrick connects with Devontae Parker for a, a beautiful 50-yard gain, and the Dolphins punch it in, make it 16-7. to Following And then on the following play, Jason Sanders has an unbelievable onside kick, gets the ball back, and on the first play, Ryan Fitzpatrick drills it right into Alan Hearns for a 20-plus-yard gain, and Alan Hearns just flat-out drops and fumbles the ball. And... The Dolphin, to me, that was the turning point in the game because after the Bills got the ball back, they they immediately marched down the field and and make this a 23-7 to game. And it seems like the Dolphins were just trying to play catch-up from there. Yeah, Hearns did nothing to uh, justify his extension that he got this week in, in this game. I mean, you look at before that fumble – he had what easily could have been a big gain that that stalled the drive a little bit, uh, where it hit him in the hands and just went careening off of him. And it wasn't like it was it was out of reach. I mean, it was right where it needed to be, and and there was no one around him. And he just boom, boom, boom. Yeah, that was the, the first. You know, that's that was the first uh, play of the se- of the of the second half there, and. You know, if, if if he catches that pass, you know, it's it's still twenty three to fourteen at that point. He catches that pass. That's that's uh, you know, Dolphins have the ball first and ten at the at at their own thirty five yard line and, and you know, the the fun might continue then, but it seems like the Dolphins kept kicking themselves from that point forward. So yeah, you know, and also too, Paul, this is a game where defensively it would have really helped to have Xavier Howard and Raquan McMillan because they were badly missed in this game because you know, Devin Singletary had had success on the ground at running back, 15 carries, 75 yards. And John Brown absolutely destroyed the Dolphins' secondary. He, he was matched up on Nick Needham for most of the game, but not completely on him. And I thought Needham, given the lack of pass rush, I, I thought he fought back pretty well. But still, what, nine catches, 138 yards from uh, from John Brown and two touchdowns. So, Without question, can't wait to get Xavier Howard back next year and Raekwon McMillan back here, hopefully next week. Completely. I mean, Rake is such a factor in the run game, such an absolute factor. And, and you know, really, I, I just it, – it's I, – I know I missed him. I mean, I, I love him. I love Vince Beagle. I didn't miss Taco Charlton too much. I mean, he made about as much of an impact on the stat line as he would have if he was active today. but. Yeah, the run game really set them up poorly. 
for the passing game and the fact that there wasn't as much pass rush. Absolutely. John Brown's one of those receivers that is hard to cover uh, if you don't have a pass rush. And Miami was there today, unfortunately. And there were yeah, a lot was, of weird misreads on a lot of plays, too, from the, the front seven. Yeah, there was. And, you know, was, the, the two things we keep going back to every week is the offensive line and the pass rush uh, for, for being the, the weakest units on the team. This is probably the weakest performance from both of those units here on Sunday in this 37 to 20 loss to the Bills. So, Paul, let's, let's take a look at the position by position grades here. I'll throw it to you first on Ryan Fitzpatrick in the quarterback position. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick actually had a pretty okay game today. I mean, threw for over 300 yards. Um, you know, he got sacked way too often. Uh, not a lot of those were on him. I do feel like one kind of was in particular where he just tripped over a player on the ground out of the blue. But, you know, he had a 20-yard run negated by a bogus penalty. Um, you know, he led the team today. And, I mean, you look at the fact that, you know, Devontae Parker went seven for 135. He managed to get Jakeem Grant a little bit involved. He got Albert Wilson involved. Once Patrick Laird came into the game later on, he he did a lot of intriguing stuff with, with Laird. And, you know, Fitzpatrick is leading this team right now even though I think Josh Rosen might be their quarterback in the future, which is a different topic for a different debate on a different episode, I think. But good yeah, on I, him. I'll give him I'll give him a solid B+. Plus. Yeah, I, it's definitely a topic for another day. I, I like to see Josh Rosen as the Dolphins' third quarterback so that they don't, they're not drafting one in the middle rounds. But, yeah, conversation for another day. Uh, as far as Ryan Fitzpatrick, yeah, I – I'm going to go ahead and give him a B plus. And the only reason I don't give him higher is because uh, the Dolphins didn't win the game. But I mean, at the end of this, to, to come away with a stat line against one of the best defenses and secondaries of the league, 32 for 45, 70 over 71 percent completion percentage, 323 yards. Yeah, he didn't throw a touchdown or an interception, but you know, he he very easily could have. But um, it, you know he he was he was uh, uh, he's had he has a great rhythm there with Devontae Parker. You know Alan Hearns had four catches for 53 yards. He has a good rhythm with him too. Alan Hearns just made a lot of mistakes. Uh, so for for him to do that, I I, I have to give him a B plus as well. At running back, Kalen Balaj is just continuing to get closer and closer to setting unbelievable records. So on the year now. After a nine-carry for nine-yard performance, he, on the year, has 64 carries for 122 yards, 1.9 yards a carry. And what I think might even be sadder is he has 13 catches for 50 yards on the year, which is not even a great yards per carry average. So I liked when Patrick Laird got in the game. He caught six passes for 51 yards. Granted, it was junk time and they were dump-offs, but that's kind of where the bar is set here at the running back position. So, you know, I, I, I feel bad for Blash. He's just not good enough. And I, I'm, again, counting down the days till he's he's cut from this roster. So nine carries for nine yards, leading running back, I gotta get, I have to give the position an F. Now, the thing that makes that nine carries for nine yards worse, which sounds unimaginable, is the fact that Kalen Balaj had a long of seven 
on one oh, of the games gosh. today. So if you take away that one big seven-yard run that he had, you're talking about eight carries, two yards. And, and which, Paul, I have a question. Do you yeah. know what? Do you know what play they were running when Balazs had that seven-yard carry? Oh Jesus! Like I'm blanking on it right now. Oh, but... it's, it, it was it was a wildcat play. So I, as soon as that oh, happened, I was shut like, up. No, I was no. like, oh my god! That if if Balaj didn't infuriate you before, then uh, then he, he definitely has to has to now. Uh, <laughs> I think I blacked out at that point. I, I'm I'm pretty sure I blacked out for that play as soon yeah. as I saw him line up in the wildcat. I just started twitching, laying on the floor, foam coming out of the mouth. <laughs> Somebody uh, hit me with some glacier water, and you know I jumped back up, but the play was over at that point, so I missed it. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, so, so what are you grading the running back spot? Only because of Patrick Laird and the exciting things that I saw from him at the end of the game. I'll give it a very, very low, low, low D minus. Only because I think this coaching staff latched onto something with Laird late in the game that I think we're going to see more of down the stretch. Yeah, and I, I hope they do because if he's playing that Danny Woodhead type role with this offense, it allows Fitzpatrick with this offensive line to get the ball out of his hands quicker. And I, I think that's a no-brainer going forward. It's a no-brainer to play literally anybody. And I'm not exaggerating. You could pull somebody off the street tomorrow. You know, Alfred Morris is out there. I mean, tell me you take Balage over Alfred Morris. I, there's no way. I mean, so can I, I take you over Kalen Balage at running back? No, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, I, I would it's take. It's not me really too. a compliment, but you know, it's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you there. Um, wide receiver and wide receiver and tight end. Uh, I'll throw it back to you on that. Kind of a weekday from Mike Gesicki, and that's where I'm going to start. Um, he had he left a few plays out on the field uh, on his two misses on targets. They could have been some. They weren't right in his bread basket, but you know what? They were the spectacular catches that, when you're a receiving tight end, that they want to fill all your measurables and leaping ability and size and length and strength and catching ability. You've got to come down with those plays, especially if you can't block worth ass. And you know you you also look at. Devontae Parker would have scored on that reception easily if Mike Gesicki literally just stood in the guy's way. He didn't even have to block him. Make him run around you, and he's not going to catch Parker before he hits the end zone. I mean, total, total, total weak sauce on that one from from Gesicki. Hopefully we see him return to his developing form next week. But for this week, he he kind of burned me a little bit. But on the positive side of the house, actually, you know what? One more negative first, because I haven't bashed this guy enough in this show after his brand new shiny contract. Alan Alan Hearns continues to be somebody I don't want on the roster next year, and I know he signed an extension. Uh, It's it's disappointing. I mean, he just it's not good enough. I'd rather see Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson out there who – got a little more involved today, but Jakeem Grant and Devontae Parker really just had a field day out there on offense. Jakeem was utilized as that Swiss Army knife we want to see from him, adding a seven-yard rushing touchdown. We won't even get into what he did on special teams till later in the episode. But And then you look at what Devontae Parker did, his seven for 135, 
should have had a touchdown on that 50 yarder. Um, just absolutely special what we've got there uh, with, with Devontae Parker at this point. Some words I never thought I'd say, especially heading into this year. Well, right now, Devontae Parker is on pace for 64 catches, 966 yards, and six touchdowns for the year. I mean, so th- these aren't Pro Bowl numbers, but it, you look at the last couple of weeks, it, he's turned it on more and more each week. He has has seven catches, 135 yards in this game, and that 50-yarder that he caught completely turned the game around. And you're right, Mike Kosicki, if he throws a block downfield where it's just him and one other guy and he's lollygagging out there, Parker walks into the end zone. Uh, you know, Alan Hearns is somebody that's grown on me a lot, but he had his chance in this game to show that he earned that contract extension, and, and he blew it. I mean, he caught that pass over the middle. I mean, he, if he breaks that tackle, goes to the end zone, and it's a 16-14 to 14 game, we're talking about Alan Hearns with four catches for 70 yards uh, and a touchdown in, in the first half. Instead, he drops the ball. He doesn't catch another pass at, uh, for the rest of the game. In fact, he dropped a, a key one that I talked about before on the first play of the third quarter, too. So such a shame there for Alan Hearns. Yeah, and Jakeem Grant, good for him. I mean, it's the last couple of weeks he's been having these, you know, 30, 35-yard games, and he completely explodes in this for an unbelievable kick return. And he also uh, – actually, he had, he had every touchdown but a, but a receiving touchdown in this. But it, it's good to see him start to break out there. He he can do some electrifying things, that's for sure. Uh, Mike Kosicki, yeah, four catches for 18 yards. Um. I would have loved if he had padded the stat line at the end when it was fourth and 16 on one of the last plays of the game where he went up high and was so close to pulling down about a 30-yard catch, but it was not to be on that. He was open a few other times, though. I will give him credit for that. What I'm really disappointed in at the tight end spot, though, is where is Durham Smythe and where is Clive Wolford except for – creating uh, terrible penalties on special teams. So overall with the receiving unit, Devontae Parker, Mike Kosicki, uh, or excuse me, Devontae Parker, Jakeem Grant, um, if we count them as, if, if we count the, the special teams into this, uh, overall, there's there are a lot of ups and downs there. So I'm going to go with a B plus very simply because Fitzpatrick threw for 320 plus yards and Parker had 135 of them. Yeah, for me, I mean, it's the other aspect too, and I didn't give you a grade yet. Is yeah, I'll I'll be I'll echo you on the B plus. For me, it's a little different. I'm not I'm not going to incorporate the special teams yet, um, but I will say the thing that pulled it down for me was was the tight end play. The fact that you know, and the 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 play you mentioned with Mike Kosicki in particular, things like that, the Alan Hearns play. Those are things that drove the grade down for me. Were were Hearns and Gasicki in this one? And yeah, you're right. You know, we didn't see Durham Smythe much or do much. And all we all we saw from Clive Walford was him trotting around out there on special teams, giving everybody hugs. So, which you 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 can't do. So yeah, it, it's unfortunately the tight end and Alan Hearns pulled this down for me a little bit. I'm I'm going to go with a B actually. I, I, you just talked me into it. I'm 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 taking it down, taking it down half a letter grade on that too. So you want to stick with a B plus, or you want to you want to join me with a B? 
No, I'm not a follower. I'm a leader. I just talked you down. I'm not talking me uh, down. All right, whatever. <laughs> uh, offensive line uh, moving along. I mean, this was ooh, this was bad. And, and I said before the game that again, we've gotten to the point where I was very excited to get Julian Davenport back in the fold. You know, this is a player that came to Miami in the Laramie Tunzel Kenny Stills trade, and he's somebody who has a lot of physical raw potential but is pretty pretty tall and pretty stiff, too. And he was a fourth-round pick out of Bucknell, so he's definitely a raw player. But, man, man, it was bad today for him. Uh, I mean, it was blown assignment after blown assignment. In fact, really the, the first play from scrimmage was a five-yard loss by Kalen Blage, and that's not something I blame Blage for because Julian Davenport just flat-out forgot to block the very defensive end he was tasked with uh, on this one. So, not good on that. Um, I have to look a little more closely at Michael Dieter um, and the rest of the interior offensive line. Uh, Jesse Davis on the third drive basically ruined that sequence with uh, by let, letting up a sack to Lorenzo Alexander, almost letting up a second one to, again, please move this guy back into right guard next year and, and stop, have, stop having to play at right tackle. Um, Evan Bame at right guard really got screwed on one play. Not only was he called for a holding penalty when the Dolphins were down 23-14, to 14, but he also pancaked the guy. On the, he pancaked Ed Oliver on that play, and he was called for holding. I don't know what you're looking at, but that completely changed the momentum of the game. The Dolphins were down 23-14 early in the third quarter there, and instead of it being a 21-yard Ryan Fitzpatrick run, it's second and 20, and the Dolphins are completely screwed on that drive. Matt Hawk shacks a punt. A couple of plays later, later, the Bills score on the next drive, and now it's 30-14, to 14 and the game's pretty much out of reach. So offensive line, pressure all day long, and not to mention nine carries for nine yards for Kalen Balazs. So I, I have to give this unit an F. Yeah, when the best thing I can say about the unit on the day is Evan Bame got screwed. Uh, it's not a good day at the office. I mean, and and this was so bad that that during the game, all I could think is for our listeners out there who have been critical of the fact that we've said things about wanting to sign Jack Conklin or spend money out there on Brandon Scherf, spend money on this free agent or that free agent for the offensive line. What I will tell you there is as important as getting that quarterback of the future is for this team. If Miami does not spend and free agency to build at least the majority of the starting positions on this offensive line, I hate to break it to you, but to build a starting caliber offensive line, they're going to have to use so many early draft resources. And not only that, at a pass rusher that it's, going to be ridiculously ugly with any rookie quarterback or any veteran quarterback behind this offensive line the way that these a-holes played today and it's disgusting and an f for me as well yeah and and not to go down a rabbit hole with uh with jack conklin but some of the people i respect the most on twitter that i talk to they're dolphins bloggers dolphins fans three or four of them have said they want nothing to do with jack conklin i'm like well, I don't understand this because with Dolphins, with some Dolphins, the standards they have for the right tackle position are, are unbelievable. Uh, they wouldn't 
saying people want nothing to do with re-signing Juwan James. Like, right tackle is a position that has flat-out ruined games for the Dolphins. Jesse Davis, Mark Colombo, Jonathan Martin, Tyson Clavo. It's like, wouldn't you rather just pay somebody like Jack Conklin, who's 25 years old and is at least good, $10 million a year? when the Dolphins are a team that right now have so much money that they're basically spending four or five million dollars to buy mid-round picks? doesn't make any sense. If you can plug a Joe Tooney, who's going to be a free agent for, for the Patriots, and a Jack Conklin, then you can then push those resources at center and right guard, uh, or, or push those other offensive linemen resources to center, to right guard, and to depth, and now you draft a left tackle to hopefully complete the line. So, but either way, it's a long way of me saying this offensive line may not have more than one or two players that should even be mentioned as a starting caliber player anywhere after this year. Yeah. I mean, I do want to see a little bit of Isaiah Prince just to see what we've got as this season wears on. He can't be any worse. I mean, it's, we need to see what we've got in Isaiah Prince before the season's over. So Miami knows what they really need to do in the off season. You can't always get that full feel for somebody at practice. I know he needs to get stronger, but if he's at least out there with the proper technique, looking the part and then just like, okay, he got pushed over a couple of times. You know, all we need to do is get him stronger. We're good. At least you have your answer there. I mean, you've already got your answer as far as anybody you've walked out at right tackle besides him this year, not good enough. And so let's see if Isaiah Prince is, and and then, you know what, if he looks the part and all he needs to do is get stronger, they can take care of that in the off season. Maybe you don't need to sign Jack Conklin, but otherwise you need to sign Jack Conklin. Sorry. Yeah. Or or you're going to be spending a first round pick at right tackle. And that's exactly what I don't want the dolphins doing. I want them to spend them on other positions. So yeah, it, it. We'll see. I mean, Isaiah Prince does need to add weight, but at least he has the physical tools, and I think that's that's a type of player we should be taking a good look at here the rest of the year. I mean, to to see if Prince and Jesse Davis on their right side of the line can play well together. Um, Paul, let's let's look at the defensive side of the ball here. Was certainly the this was certainly a troubling day for the defense. They could not stop Josh Allen. They could not stop the Buffalo Bills offense. It's something about Josh Allen playing in Miami where they just flat out can't stop anything that he's doing. I mean, but luckily, I I, I think it was exposed that, that the Dolphins defensively, I mean, we know they have a talent issue, but it, it went much further than that in this game. So um, the main thing is when we take a look at the front seven here, they they couldn't get a hand on, on anybody the entire game. I mean, Vince Beagle's had a heck of a year so far, and he did get a couple of pressures there, but the, the Bills very clearly made him a priority there at that spot. And the rest of the guys, Charles Harris, you know, had, had a couple of good games. Uh, he, he was fine in run defense, but not much pressure there on the quarterback when he was expected to. Avery Moss was struggled badly with trying to track Josh Allen on any run plays. And just as usual, Christian Wilkins and Davin Gotcha were the usual solid, sturdy selves right there in the middle. After the first 22-yard run by Devin Singletary, I think the run defense stayed in their lanes a little bit better throughout as the game progressed, so good for them. 
um, but also badly missed Raekwon McMillan at linebacker because, it, you know, Jerome Baker is who he is. I mean, he's got to be a part-time player. And when Raekwon wasn't in there, he was the one, you know, going nose-to-nose with the centers and, and the rest of the offensive linemen there, there on those run plays. So, But the front seven, the inability to stop the run at the beginning of the game, the inability to get pressure on the quarterback on any kind had as much to do with this loss as anything. So I'm going to go with a D. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with a D plus, like you alluded to. Davin Godchow and, and Christian Wilkins did have some bright moments in this one. Uh, Jerome Baker had some forgettable moments and some good moments. Sam McGuavin actually showed up a little bit today at times. And Charles Harris probably would have had a sack if he didn't get egregiously held. So, I mean, it was nice to see a little bit of that positive development from Charles Harris. But like you said, Vince Beagle, they prioritized shutting him down in this one. Uh, Missed the hell out of Raekwon McMillan. And really, Avery Moss, Jesus, I keep flashing back to the read option that Josh Allen made the wrong call on when he read the defensive end, he absolutely made the wrong call. And Avery Moss looked at him as he tucks the ball away. And you could see he was tucking the ball away and you could see the ball from three different angles at the very least, including the one that Avery Moss had. And Avery Moss looked at him, had him dead to rights and went, Oh, he doesn't have the ball and turned back inside and pretty much ran right past him to go in and tackle the guy he didn't hand it off to. Yeah. What a Mr. Magoo ugly ass moment that was. So yeah, D minus for me. Defensive back, uh you know, we've been impressed with this unit considering they don't have Xavier Howard. Minka Fitzpatrick was traded. Rashad Jones has been hurt and he he was back here today. So, you know, I I have to attribute a lot of the errors on defense here today to to the lack of pass rush, not necessarily the, the defensive backs themselves. I mean, I, I didn't see a lot of blown coverages. I mean, look, it, that first touchdown to John Brown was huge. They made the game 13 to nothing. He, he beat Nick Needham. Bobby McCain didn't get over fast enough. That, that was a big one. And overall, John Brown had a huge day. But if you look after John Brown, who had, what, nine for 128 or 138 and two touchdowns, or one touchdown or two, I'm – I'll check the stat line, but John Brown had two. John Brown had two. Gotcha. Yeah. So so nine for nine for I think one twenty eight here and no excuse me nine for one thirty seven and two touchdowns. Um, a lot of them came off came off Nick Needham, but he was unfairly putting one on one coverage on an island with him a lot. And I'll say this: Nick Needham fought back. There's no doubt about it because th- there were a lot of times he boxed off John Brown when the ball was thrown to him. Um, and also, too, he he came back and and had a forced fumble that on Devin Singletary that fortunately fell into the Bills' hands there on that on that fumble recovery. But um, so you, you've got that. Rashad Jones came back was pretty uneventful. But my biggest bone to pick, and we've been going back and forth on this all year, is to me Bobby McCain exemplified in this game why I don't want him playing free safety. He couldn't tackle. He couldn't cut. He he couldn't tackle anybody uh, today, and he was too late to get to a certain spot. Uh, you, you look at you, 
the, the three really biggest plays in the game, when John Brown had his first touchdown, Bobby McCain gets over there and can't make the tackle to, to stop him at, at least the 10-yard line. Uh, Josh Allen, the one that we talked about where Avery Moss was doing God knows what, um, Bobby McCain comes down and, and he can't tackle him in the open field. And that's, that's the job as the last line of defense. Um, and also, too, D- uh, Dawson Knox, the rookie out of Mississippi State, uh, caught about a 15-yard pass, breaks a tackle on McCain, takes it to the house to make a 23-7 Bills at that point. Terrible, terrible game by Bobby McCain. I want to see – I like McCain, but I want to see him play more in the slot here next year. So so when you look at Josh Allen's stat line, even with the lack of pass rush, um, you know, at the end of the day, you've still got Josh Allen 31 or 21 for 33, 256, three touchdowns. It's hard for me to give them any better than a C- minus here because I don't completely blame them. I more blame the pass rush. I blame the pass rush, but I, I will say one of the biggest jobs your safeties have, aside from pass coverage in in its defense with the three-safety look, is you have to be providing run support. And when they're continually whiffing on tackles, one thing I, I do want to say with McCain is I wonder how much that early, I won't say injury, but pretty well, you know what I will, how much the early injury he had in the game um, set him up for failure because he did come out at least one other time uh, kind of nursing the same area. So that'll be interesting to monitor as the week goes on, what we hear about that. But again, it's just, Needham did respond, I thought, and responded well. There were some bright spots along with a dumb penalty or two. I can give these guys a C, uh, even though a lot of people are probably going to turn their heads and go, how do you give these guys a C? You know what? They they actually did pretty well, all things considered. Yeah, I I still think that if you get a pass rush in front of them, this game turns out a lot differently there at defensive back. Special teams is usually something we kind of glance over toward the end, and not this week. I mean – I would argue, Paul, before I throw it to you for for the grade on this, this could be two of the best special teams plays of the year for the Dolphins with the Jakeem Grant kick return and the Jason Sanders uh, onside kick to himself. Oh, completely. I mean, Jason Sanders' onside kick to himself was a thing of beauty. And then Jakeem, oh, man, I've been waiting to see this all year. It does make it look a little bit goofy that he hasn't been returning as much as We'd hope, but again, this was this was Jakeem Grant's coming out party, and you know what? Jason Sanders just re-endeared himself to Dolphins fans when the Colonel kicked that onside kick, caught him off guard, and recovered it himself, and it was hilarious. He had so much time; he literally like trotted alongside the ball and waited for it to go far enough before falling on the ball himself. I mean, that's how much he took the Bills' receiving team off guard. I'll give the special teams an A minus in this one. Clive Walford, you can't pull this down too far. We're sticking in the A territory with an A minus here. Right. No, no, A. We'll give them an A. Screw you, Clive Walford. But we'll give everybody else an A. Um, I'm going to give them a B, and I'll tell you no. why. Because yeah, I, I have to. Because I'll tell you what. I, based on those two amazing plays, I want to give them an A plus. But uh, nobody is more responsible for the hole the Dolphins were put in than this guy that shouldn't even be on the team, Clive Wolford. Because with those two penalties, uh, it, it had the Dolphins starting out inside their own 10-yard line on two of the first three drives. 
And when you look at it being a 16 nothing Bills lead after the first 25 minutes of the game, that takes it down dramatically. Um, and also, too, uh, you know, there were two really good punt returns by Andre Roberts, one of which was returned to the Dolphins 40, one was returned right around to midfield. So there were a lot of great plays. There were a lot of gaffes in this one, too. And I, I think the gaffes may have may have ended up overall hurting them just as much as, as these two big plays by Sanders and Jakeem Grant. So I'm going to go with a B on that unit there. So you've got a B. I've got or you've you have an A. I have a B. Uh, I'm going to throw it back to you for your player of the game and your Coke bus player of the game to wrap it up. There were a couple of good candidates for player of the game here, but I'm going to go with the man we just talked about. Jakeem Grant is my player of the game. His little coming out party in this one. The kickoff return in the 11th hour when it looked like it was going basically the game was going to go out of reach to pull them back within range. Uh, I've got to go Jakeem on the player of the game. As far as a Coke bus player, I'll stick with special teams because Clive did put him in a hole. And Clive shouldn't be on this roster. I remember all preseason talking about how bad I did not want Clive back. And sure enough, there he is out there hugging people like crazy and causing issues. So, Jakeem is my player of the game. Clive's my Coke bus player. My player of the game, you know, I think Grant's an obvious one, and I would have picked that one too. Uh, Got to give it to Devontae Parker. Other than that, I mean, seven mm-hmm. seven catches, 135 yards. I mean, I when you look at the contract he signed, which no one expected him to, you know, two years, thirteen million. That's looking like a steal right now. And but what I really like, and I saw this when I was at the Colts game last week, was is the passion that he has st- suddenly started showing. Uh, just the verbal, you know, just the you know the nonverbals. Like I, last week when. The Dolphins didn't put the ball in the air when Josh Rosen was at quarterback and Parker was one-on-one. He was irate on the sidelines and in the huddle. I mean, and not in a bad way, but he wanted the ball. And you look at how he how he carries himself now. Just from my perspective, I think you're starting to see a little bit more of a new player here as he continues uh, to to season in the NFL. My Coke bus player of the game is a very easy one for me. That's Bobby McCain. I mean, yeah, I. I think the injury may have had something to do with it, and he did toughen it out. But I, I can't resist saying over and over again, I don't think this guy should be playing free safety. Uh, I'd like to see him move down into the nickel spot next year. Then Jamal Wiltz uh, can be the fourth defensive back, and I think he's been playing pretty well too. But safety is going to be very high on my needs list here this year. And and. I might be in favor of them having Eric Rowe at strong safety because I think he's been playing pretty well overall. So that will do it for our breakdown of the Miami Dolphins 37 to 20 loss to the Buffalo Bills. You can follow Paul and I on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I am Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the thin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul.